What's going on? Uh, Taz here. Taz Show. Welcome to the Taz Show. Appreciate you guys jumping on, downloading this episode. Much appreciated. If you're not subscribed to the show already, you're going to want to subscribe. Look, let's be honest. You're really going to want to subscribe. I connect to you people. You people know what I'm about. You know how I am. If you're new to what I do, well, it's an amazing experience. And it's like no none other. Not, ah, take two. No other podcast experience that might be a slight exaggeration but i'm just putting myself over hello i'm taz yes uh yes and yeah my show is awesome uh, and i'm uh, on the cusp of 700 episodes i love uh, what i do and i love all of you people okay you know that uh so we're gonna do a little taz hall in this episode and uh i'm gonna cover a lot in it uh the team of producers have pulled some awesome questions for taz hall Okay, for this episode uh, from my Instagram account, which you might want to follow, which is at T-A-Z-T-A-L-K. Taz Talk. Yep, that's the official. Also, a little uh, pissed at the Instagram folks. I know it's Facebook. They own it, I believe. I'm fucking annoyed. I'm still not verified on there, and it's an outrage. Okay, I have a lot of people that follow me on there, and... um, I'm a professional public fucking figure, and I should be have a blue check or whatever the hell it is on there, like Twitter. And I'm not. I need you people to help me. I need you to, whatever it is, you people are smarter with the Instagram than me. Let them know, okay? We sent, my team has sent notices to them, and they don't give a shit. They haven't said nothing back. The people need to speak. I never asked you for nothing. So buy a fucking shirt on ProWrestlingTees.com slash T-A-Z, and tell Instagram, Taz is insecure and fragile and he needs a blue mark he needs to be verified well maybe keep out the part about insecurities and fragile you get my point i need a little help let them know let the masses need to let them know okay and that's it i'll try my best not to ask you for anything else you're gonna get your fucking water break in this episode and i'm gonna cover a lot of shit for you so you're gonna love it all right three two one here we go individuals and pcas it is now time for the Taz Hall. Let your voice be heard. Ah, uh, yes. Okay. So we're going to have at it. Uh, it's, it's, we got a lot. We got a lot, and they're all good. You people hit a home run in this one. Uh, it's usually pretty good. I can't, I can't sit here and rip, knock, or destroy you, uh, but you guys usually... Have good questions, so um, definitely uh, down with it. So, so that's a deal. Uh, all right, so we're gonna we're gonna start right out. What? Well, I'm trying to think. Should I go into? Yeah, I'll go right into this here because I got I got all these things in front of me here. Hang on a second. Give me a second. All right, just chill. Hold on a second. What do we got here? All right, we're good now. 
Sorry, we had a little issue. So, so it's always a problem. You guys know that. You guys that remember the original Taz show. There was always issues, nothing but problems. Uh, anyway, uh, all right, and here we go. This is from Mister Freeney seventy eight. Uh, okay, who who were some of the funniest wrestlers backstage? And could you give a story or two? Thanks for all that you do. Hashtag Taz Hall. Hashtag the Taz Show. Hashtag haha, look at this guy. This guy's slick. Hashtag Ding. Yeah, indeed. Um, yeah. So, well, I've been fortunate enough in my career to be around. A lot of funny, uh, funny dudes uh, in the locker room. That's for sure. Um, who was some of the funniest? Off the top of my head, I have to say for sure, Tony Chimmel in WWE. You guys remember ringing out to Tony Chimmel. Tony, um, extremely funny guy. Uh, but yet, if you ask him to be funny on camera, he really can't be. He's a ring announcer. That's what he's done for years. He's a senior member of the production as far as ring crew and all this other stuff he does. He's been working for WWE for decades. You know, uh, he's a great guy, great family man, even though he's from New Jersey. I kid. But no, I love Tony. I miss him. I haven't seen him in a long time, but he is a, a funny son of a bitch. Uh, Tony Chimmel is one of the funnier guys. You know, when I say a lot of times, fair to Midland, I'll say, ah, that match was fair to Midland or whatever. I stole that from Tony. So I got to say, I did hack that from Tony. But, you know, I, I in the past, I used to give him credit a lot. I haven't recently. Chimmel's one of the funnier dudes for sure. Very self-deprecating guy. Very just like <laughs> he just can't explain Tony. Another funny guy, just thinking off the top of my head, uh, would be a, a guy that you guys know a little better than Tony Chimmel, and that's the 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 man himself, Dean Malenko. So Dean Malenko, uh, definitely unbelievably funny. Now you guys, most of you guys rem- remember him from WCW when he was the Iceman, the man of a thousand holds and all this, and he's Cole Jones. You know, he don't say nothing, no talking, no nothing. That's because on camera, he's not very funny. Like color commentary, I know they tried him out once back in the day with WWE, and it just didn't work. Like he's just not, it's just not him. Um, but you get him just in a locker room setting or around a the building around the arena before showtime or at a hotel or a gym. I, you know, I, I know Dean a long time. I mean, a long time. I, jeez, I mean, back in Japan, early, uh, early, early years, uh, him and his brother helped me out in Japan, his, his brother, Joe Malenko. Um, yeah, man, he, um, uh, Dean's a great guy. He also broke my neck, by the way, one of him and uh, two coach Scorpio, but I, I, I love Dean. It was an accident. My fault. Regardless, Dean is one of the funnier dudes you're ever going to meet. Um, that I could tell you. If he's at a signing or an appearance, uh, go see Dean. He will make you laugh. But he's not. He's very dry sense of humor. Like you gotta, you gotta understand. Like most of what he says, he's fucking around, like joking around. He's extremely dry. Where Chimmel is just a cut up, Tony Chimmel. But um, those two guys jump out to me um, for sure. As far as you know, who who are the funnier guys? Um, Back in the day, I know when I was working for the short time, I was working for Jim Cornette for Smoky Mountain. I first met Brian Lee. Uh, Brian Lee, and you know, and then he was uh, in ECW for a little bit too for a short time. Brian Lee, for those that remember, oh man, primetime Brian Lee, dude, that is one of the funniest motherfuckers I've ever been around. So I can't give you stories. There's just so much shit. Like it's just so I can't sit here and be you know reminisce on stories and shit we're talking years ago i'm just talking funny cats uh he uh brian uh definitely extremely funny um like real funny like i remember i'll tell you a real quick story i remember one time it was in smoky mountain he was in the main event he was a big push guy 
you know, big dude, you know, remember he was the second, I think he was the second Undertaker. Even they had the two Undertakers the one time, I think he was one of them back in the 90s. But anyway, Brian, hell of a worker for a big man, really could go, good athletic guy, I don't know, six, 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 seven, whatever he was, big, big, huge dude, but uh, could move, you know. And um, I remember one time in Smoky Mountain, I can't remember the town. I mean, I only worked there for a cup of coffee, like I said, for a short time. And he was in the main event, and he showed up to the building, like, really late. The show was already going, and everybody was freaking out and panicking. And he got there real late, like, almost, like, right before his match. And then he ended up, I don't remember who he worked with. And and I remember talking to him after the match a little bit. I'm like, bro, it was a really fucking good match. Shit, I said, uh, I didn't think you were going to make it here. He just laughed. He goes, oh, brother, that's the idea. He goes, you know, I was running late, but not as late as I showed up. Basically, he's saying, he said, you if you're going to be late, be so late that they get past the point of being mad at you. They're just happy to see you. Right. <laughs> so he tells it a lot funny to me. And I, just the way he says it, he's got a, like a, that, that, you know, really healthy Southern drawl. Um, and just would crack me up with it, man. So he was funny. I'll tell you somebody else was very funny and no one would, you might, some of you might've been able to see it through his commentary at times um, in the past for sure. That's Michael Cole. Uh, Michael Cole, very funny guy, uh, another self-deprecating guy, extremely coincidentally enough, him and Tony Chimmel are good friends, but Cole, uh, very funny, uh, very funny, as is Joey Styles, super funny, so, um, and I'll think of some other guys, I can't off the top of my head at these, this uh, very moment, moment, but um, yeah, those two guys, def- uh, those two guys, those three or four guys jump out to me uh, for sure. <laughs> what else we got here? We got uh, Nick, uh, Nick's brute, Nick. Brew beer. Do you think Undertaker? Not just mentioned Undertaker. Do you think Undertaker chose or was asked to come back to redeem, in quotations, the not so stellar performance uh, at the SSD Super Showdown? Uh, hashtag RTG. That's for running the game. And hashtag Waterbreak Jones. Okay, got it. Mizu City. Yeah. So I think it's a combination of both, Nick. I think that Taker. Probably wanted to come back sooner rather than later to do a match, to do something, um, so people could figure. And I talked about this on the last podcast. I think I did anyway. To to forget about that this happened, like to do something quick, get it going, do something. And and I also think WWE wanted him to do it too because anytime he was willing to do, anytime he is willing to do something, of course I would assume WWE would jump on it because he's you know such a big star and <clears throat> the reaction that he gets and stuff like that. And you know. Um, Taker still looks very good for you know a guy who's battle tested and been his body's been through a lot. <clears throat> Excuse me. So um, I think it's a combination of both. But good question. Okay, what we got here. Uh, you're gonna a uh, yeah. You're gonna get get man. These kids today. I've been uh, watching a lot of your ECW matches lately. In quite a few, you take a power bomb early in the match. Any particular reason or just a coincidence? Hashtag Taz Hall. Hashtag the Taz Show. More of a coincidence, unless there was something in the story that made sense, the physical story we were trying to tell. Um, I know you're probably talking maybe a match with Bam Bam Bigelow, maybe, or maybe something with Rhino. Uh, could be, I'm trying to remember what other. I didn't take a ton of power bombs. But it was just more of a coincidence, to be honest with you. You know, a power bomb is, um, especially a guy coming off of a you know fucked up neck. Power bomb's not exactly a fun, safe bump. 
you got to make sure you're working with the right guy who's got the power and size to jack you up the right way. You got to do a lot of the work, believe it or not, not just him, to make sure you your body clears and curls, as we would call it. Um, so, you know, you bump safe and the guy can bump you safe. So it's all about safety. So um, I was gun shy of powerbomb was I was a little gun shy of powerbombs because it's coming off of the neck. But more than that, and I've talked about this in the past, but I'm, I'm sure there's a lot of newer listeners that never heard me talk about backdrops. Never was a fan of backdrops, especially once I injured my neck. Backdrop is such a simplistic old bump that you don't see much of and that much anymore, but it still happens. It's actually an underratedly dangerous bump. I mean, maybe not for a lot of these, you know, leaner built guys today that are so athletic, a backdrop, so walk in the park for them. These guys do a backdrop land on their feet. But um, you know, for those of us that were wrestling above 240 and 250, you know, a backdrop is not always a fun bump. You know what I mean? So that, that, that I could tell you, um, which I, I kind of, I'm going to probably you know, just organically segue into a, a, talking about something that I've watched recently. Uh, I've been watching a lot of old school WWF matches on the WWE network, um, just I like to go back now as someone that's older and retired from the from wrestling in the ring and removed from it and watch some of these stars that I watched when I was younger or maybe inspired me. And I, during watching a lot of these matches from the 80s, you know, maybe late 70s and, and mid to early 80s, you saw a lot of backdrops, like a lot of backdrops, a lot. Um that's one of the first moves, like as far as spots that I learned with Johnny Rods was taking a backdrop and giving a backdrop, you know, and you don't, you know, you don't, I feel like you don't see a ton of them anymore. You just don't. I mean, it's like today fans want to see so much more high energy, high exuberant stuff. And there's more of a demand for more potent moves. You know, it's like, you know, if you go even years before the seventies, you know, you go, I don't know, I may be wrong in fifties or 1950s and sixties. I mean, I wasn't born then, but you know, a fucking body slam was a finish. You know, now imagine doing a body slam today as a finish. Oh my god, the arena would erupt in anger. Fuck you, we're walking out like, <laughs> like you know. So that was a big knock on ECW back in the day. Like a lot of veterans that were outside of ECW, like what the fuck are you guys doing? You guys are trying to set a tone that someone's got to bring like a shotgun in the ring and shoot a guy's leg off to win a match. Like, what are you doing? Guys are doing too much crazy shit like that. That was a lot of knock from a lot of the veterans back in the day. Now being a little bit older, I can see that point. But um, at the time, we were like, "Fuck it," you know. Uh, but anyway, yeah. So I, in watching some of these older matches, you know, um, and one of the, the one guy I watched a lot. Uh, I, I said this past weekend, I was watching a lot of stuff. I, was, I had some downtime, and I was watching a lot of WWF from the '80s and and stuff. It was a guy that I, I haven't talked about a lot on my show. A guy that I was uh inspired by a lot um and was a huge fan of and i think is so fucking underrated and i think a lot of you will agree with me and that is the one and only magnificent morocco um the original rock ah yeah the rock don morocco but he was magnificent before that and uh the great man from sunset beach hawaii you know uh the rock uh is the guy we know the big famous actor Dwayne johnson but you know he was the first rock but Regardless, we all knew mostly Magnificent Morocco as Magnificent, and he was so 
fucking underrated. Watching him now and watching some of the stuff that he did that was innovative. Okay, some of the stuff he did, which I don't want to get into too much here about what he did that was innovative. I'm not going to, uh, just, I'm just saying he, I watched him so closely this weekend on a bunch of matches. You know, I didn't realize his son uh, several years ago was had broken to the wrestling business, Joe Morocco. But I don't know. I don't know if he's still working. I don't know if he really took off. And maybe one day he will. Who knows? But um, I did not know that until doing a little more research on him. But I was a big fan of Don Morocco. Um, shit, I think I met him briefly because he was, believe it or not, you know, a lot of you guys might not notice, he was in ECW. The early years of ECW before Paul Heyman um, was the owner. Paul Heyman was doing commentating and just a booker, but. Eddie Gilbert was the booker and Todd Gordon was the owner. Uh, so anyway, and Morocco came in and did some shows. But, um, uh, you know, and at the time, like Abdullah the Butcher was there, Kevin Sullivan, just trying to bring bigger names in then. So I guess they can get this Eastern Championship wrestling thing going. That was before it was extreme. And I came in like Paul Heyman. then once he took over, started segueing his guys in. And I was fortunate enough, one of his guys. So, uh, but I think. Morocco and I crossed paths once or twice. Um, but yeah, always a big fan of his. I know uh, you're going to get that. You sent me this message about power bombs and I segued into Don Morocco. But I just wanted to just give Don Morocco a shout out and uh, just a huge fan of his. You know what I mean? So, so huge fan of his. Always was and respect the shit out of what he's done. So, all right, here we go. We'll get, get, get back out of here. A underscore double underscore one. What do you think of Samoa Joe losing the U.S. championship to Ricochet on Sunday and now in a WWE title match at Extreme Rules? <clears throat> well, you know, he moved, they moved them up the pipe a little bit, Samoa Joe, obviously. Uh, the thing is, let's just backtrack as far as him losing that U.S. championship. I talked about this, I think, last pod. I felt like, you know, Joe and Ricochet, tear it down, do your thing. Um, I think I did it in the, um, the preview prediction show for the stomping grounds Jones. And I did feel like fucking Ricochet shouldn't have won just yet. I would have liked to seen like a, another, like a series, like another match with these two guys. And then Ricochet wins. Uh, Cause you could just tell their chemistry just worked perfect. Joe and, and Ricochet. So, but they went the other route and, uh, and nobody's going to throw a flag on Ricochet. He's a dude's paying motherfucker and he's a hell of a worker. Uh, some people say he's a gymnast. He does fucking gymnastics. Listen, guys, look, it's not fucking, you know, we just talked about the 1980s. It's not 1980s anymore. It's it's about athleticism. It's about guys. And, and we've seen a lot of guys doing, you know, uh, different flips and moves and high spots like this for a lot of years. Not Ricochet didn't invent this. This has been going on for years now. Uh, and there's always that narrative. Oh, my God, it's not the all these high spots and all these flips and this and that. Yeah, well. <laughs> people enjoy it and if you have the athleticism to do it do it i think ricochet's a hell of a worker his base work is tremendous i don't have no problem anybody doing high spots like that shit that i physically couldn't do when i was in my prime i love it i think it's great as long as their base work is strong and this dude's base work is strong i did a bbb as you guys know on him breakdown before breakout years ago on the taz show before anybody knew who he was okay he was working as prince puma under a mask in lucha underground and working indies as ricochet and I put him over like fucking gold, and I said, how great this guy's going to be. I wouldn't have put him over like gold if his base work wasn't strong. 
Trust me, there's 7 zillion guys that are out there doing flips. Okay, this guy is more than that. Don't call a ricochet a gymnastics guy. This guy's a pro wrestler, and he's a fucking damn good one. He's just a super athlete, and, and WWE's doing a good job promoting the shit out of him. Uh, any success Joe, Samoa Joe has, going into extreme rules, and to me, I got no problem. Push the shit out of Joe all day. I love Joe. Personal friend and professionally. I think he's the bomb. He's great. So just, uh, I got no problem. Joe's the next top guy champion in WWE. I, no problem with me. I love Joe. Uh, the one and only Albert. Okay. Did WWE miss a trick not bringing in Booker T and Stevie Ray as Harlem Heat once WCW went bust? We could have seen some classic matches in that era. No, I don't think so. I think they did the right thing. I think, um, you know, Stevie Ray, you know, big the bigger of the two uh, between the two, you know, uh, Harlem Heat. Um, different charisma. I mean, the Booker, I think Booker had a lot bigger charisma. Um, and a little more athletic in the ring. And, and quite frankly, during that time, in my professional opinion, you no know, knock on Stevie. I'm just being honest. I felt like Booker was the better worker. And I think that's kind of why everything happened the way it happened once WCW went under and WWE did what they did and they ended up taking Book and pushed Book hard. Um, so I, I think that's the reason. I mean, and, you know, and, and congrats. Stevie Ray got, got in the Hall of Fame. Him and Booker now as a team. So uh, Harlem Heat's in there. So, no, I, I don't, I mean, I, 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 I don't think they missed the boat on it, that missed the trick on it. I don't. I really don't. Um, and I was there during that time. So I, I don't, yeah. I, I, that's To be frank, that's never even crossed my mind until you just said that and I just read it. So there you go. Uh, who we got here? Chaos136925. Who's going to win Big Brother 21? And why do you think they continue adding the older contestants who quickly get booted? All right, here's the thing. Truth be told, I have TiVo Jones. I have this thing taped, as we call it back in the day, not VHS. I tape shit digitally now. That's my new thing, okay? So I haven't watched it yet. Uh, me and my blushing uh, wife, we have not watched this yet. And we're going to watch probably Twitter clip, so I'm a little behind. So I didn't see the first show. So thanks for basically stooging it off that the older contestants are getting booted. So you just gave me the finish. But anyway, no, I'm looking forward to watching it. I've been watching Big Brother. For those that don't understand, why the fuck is this guy talking about a reality show? I've been a Big Brother fan. I've marked for that show for a long time. I've watched it for a lot of years every summer. So my wife and I, that's, you know, we watch it. So I'm usually watching a shitload of sports all the time because doing sports radio, I have to. So uh, that's one of the only times we get to watch something that's non-sports together. So, uh, you know, it's kind of good. Uh, so I will uh, stay on top of the Big Brother Chaos one three six nine two five. All right, B dot Reese underscore fifteen. Oh, that's easy. Uh, what are your thoughts on Becky Lynch and Rollins' uh, real life dating angle WWE is putting out there? And do you think they will use an angle? That, do you think they will use an angle like this more often? Okay, uh, number one fan from Fall River, Mass. Okay, cool. Well. Here's the thing, Brendan. Um, I have no problem with them showing the world that these two people are a couple. I have no problem with that at all. It's not the first time we've seen something like this on TV in the business, and it won't be the last. Um, I just think they got to be careful not to overdo it and beat us over the head with it. We get it. They're boyfriend and girlfriend. They're a couple. That's awesome. Got it. So, you know, and now we're going to see the marriage of them together as tag team partners and as this and watch each other's back. We saw it on Raw. I just think they got to be careful doing that too much because you're going to end up not liking 
Rollins and Becky and was supposed to like Rollins and Becky because they're both baby faces. So they got to be careful of that because, you know, not that people get mad at couples, but usually when you're watching pro wrestling or WWE sports entertainment, whatever you feel like calling it, you're not watching couples. You're watching wrestling, men wrestle men, women wrestle women, uh, mixed tag team matches and everything. I'm not saying I have anything against couples, but I do think it's, you know, it, they got, they just got to be careful. That doesn't get too much like, all right, you know, got it. Their boyfriend and girlfriend. Okay. That's cool. Or their husband and wife. I right, got it. You know, I mean, uh, I, I thought, uh, I think Maurice and Miz, they do a good job with that. They've done a good job over the years with that, what they've done. Um, but you know, Maurice was not the women's champion. You know what I mean? Like, so, so it's like, they got to be careful. I think a little bit with it because both Becky and Rollins are top, top talent. So just got to be careful that they're not getting big segments and eating up time individually. And then as a couple eating up time and I'm not blaming the talent. I'm just saying they, they, I just think if I'm WWE, I would definitely, uh, watch that. You know what I mean? So that's the the thing I would keep an eye on. Uh, what else we got here? We got um, BC Energy. Uh, hey, Taz, big fan, long time. My dad actually worked with you back in the day, referee Billy Saints. Okay, I'm trying to remember. Uh, if you could start a uh, faction with any wrestlers of all time, who would you have in your faction? Thanks, man, and keep up the awesome content. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. Oh, man, I don't know. Uh, here's the thing. Instead of giving you, <laughs> like, fantasy booking of factions, BC Energy, how about I give you a different feel? Talk about factions for a second. I do think that um, there's a big benefit with factions, okay? You're getting a lot of – it's just like the 24-7 title. You're getting an opportunity to put a lot of people on TV at the same time in one segment. That's a big plus. That's that makes it easy for the writers. That makes uh, a guy like like Vince McMahon uh, enjoy it better, you know, because he knows the talent's getting getting over and getting in there, and he's getting enough talent on there and stuff like that, you know. So I'm just saying, like that. That's a big thing with factions. Um, I I really think that um um I really think that it it's tough now today because of the brand split too. Um, I do think it's a little tough to do that uh, because it's they're doing this wild card thing, and then you, if you have factions, I'm just saying it might not be the right time. Um, you know what I mean? Like that's the only thing with it. It's just they, I think they gotta, you know, not that they're doing big factions right now, but that's my only knock on doing factions right now. You know what I mean? Um, um, I, I do think that. Um, like we'll see an undisputed era, for example, in NXT. I mean, that, that's awesome. You got you got excellent talent in there, and Fish, O'Reilly, Strong. You know what I mean? These guys are uh, uh, Adam Cole. These guys are tremendous hands, and they're all together. So there's a there's a common theme and thread for these guys to be together as a four person gimmick. You know, and it works. And you get enough of them on there, or get them in tag matches, or six man matches, or individual matches. And it works. And I got to give Triple H credit on that because he's got a one-hour show and he's making that faction work. But he's not giving you a ton of factions. I just think they can do it in WWE. They got to be careful. I am a fan of factions for the most part because it gets people on TV. But, but the wild card rule 
and with the 24-7 title, I think it's a little tough to do that now. Um, you know what I mean? So, but but maybe one day soon I'll do a show on factions to get a little more deeper in the woods as they say it. Um, so that's uh, one thing that has to be handled uh, in the future. And also something needs to be handled right now. Yes. You want second here? It's a water break. Hang on. It's a good one. Definitely a good one. Mm-mm-mm. That's what I do. I love sometimes just drinking water, ice cold water. While I'm doing the Taz show, do a water break. Push it hard here. People love it. They love the water break. Sometimes I'll sit out in the yard. I'll have a cigar, you know, and then I'll have a big pitcher of ice water, drinking it. Then sometimes you get hassled. You get hassled by the annoyance of flying insects flying around me, bothering me. Okay, and doesn't happen much anymore because of Dynatrap, ladies and gentlemen. Dynatrap. You guys know what I'm talking about because I've talked enough about Dynatrap. Okay, uh, listen, uh, it's it's hot out. It's summertime, just about everywhere. Wherever you listen to me, it's it's hot, right? So. There's nothing more annoying than flying insects that are buzzing around your head, okay, and bothering you or, or, or maybe getting bit by a mosquito or whatnot. And I've talked about, you know, uh, in your home dealing with something that Dynatrap, by the way, Dynatrap is a leading manufacturer in outdoor mosquito and insect traps. Uh, and I've talked about the Dynatrap fly light, okay, for indoor pest, where you, it just goes right in the wall, just plug it right in the wall. It looks like a really cool night light. And these these insects just attract to it and they get stuck on the back that you don't see it it doesn't you know what i mean it's not something you're going to see and it's perfect and it's just it basically works out perfect because you don't have to worry about them flying around your house and bothering you the dynatrap fly light works day and night to attract and trap flies, fruit flies, mosquitoes, and other pesky insects. And I got to tell you, it really, really works. And when I've talked about outside, there's outdoor, uh, there's outdoor for they have bigger units or even smaller units that either handle a half acre or a full acre. And I have two of these on my property outdoors. And I got to tell you, when my family's around our pool or hanging out in the yard having a barbecue, there's nothing bothering us. Trust me, I've been using Dynatrap Flylight and Dynatrap products for a while now, and it's insanely number of insects it has caught uh, that otherwise would be buzzing around my home or outside my home. And before you know it, it's 4th of July here. Okay, everybody's going to be partying. Get yourself Dynatrap, and I got a deal for you. Get yours at Dynatrap.com. That's D-Y-N-A-T-R-A-P.com. Enter promo code T-A-Z and receive 15% off any of their products. Dynatrap, the safe, silent, and simple solution to household insect control. Again, T-A-Z. Enter T-A-Z at Dynatrap.com. It's awesome, guys. And I'm a big, big believer in Dynatrap. I put it over huge hair for a reason because I believe in it heavily. Right now, it's break time. Other side of break, we will get rolling into some other awesome, and there are awesome ones coming up here, like Rollins, Will Ospreay. What the fuck is going on with these guys on the social media? I'll get into that because we're doing Taz Hall, bitches. Sit tight.
All right, Haas, we're back here on the Taz Show. Yes, we are back here, jobbers. And we're jumping uh, into Taz Hall. Um, smooth, simple, nice and easy. A lot of content here for you, jobbers. Free lunch, as always. You guys love your free lunch, and there's more coming. Oh, yes, Taz, talk about wrestling. We love you, talk about wrestling. Give us more free stuff. We're not going to pay for nothing. All right, anyway, uh, we got here. Bison Branded, uh, what's your opinion of wrestlers not wearing knee pads, including those with knee injuries recently? Did it affect you? Okay, no, it did not affect me. Um, I took pride in not wearing knee pads. I did it on purpose by design. It just fit my style better, and it just uh, I always had good quads and 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 a good lower body work i did a lot of work in the gym for a lot of years uh, my glutes my hams my quads my calves everything so um you know i figured i'm not hiding these fucking legs let me show it i'm not a tall guy let me show it and i knew not wearing knee pads would make me look shorter and i didn't give a fuck so um yeah so basically i i i you know if you got the legs, do it. And also for your style, this is the key, not just the muscularity. The key is for me, I didn't wear them because I didn't do stuff that affected my knees. Okay, I wasn't a high flyer. And when I would do my offense, I, you know, I wasn't landing on my knees or, or my shins. I that wasn't my style. I I was a I was fucking basted, always basted, you know. So, you know, that's you know. That's that that was that's me. That's what I was. Now, these other cats out there, I can't speak on them. Now, if you do have a knee injury or had a knee injury, you got to really be careful and you might want to wear some kind of a brace or something like that, you know, to to protect your knee or or any kind of ligament issue you might have had. So I wouldn't suggest that. But, um, you know, I I think and I did it also because it was an old school look, you know, and I think, you know, when you uh, for me, I was wearing low boots and you know singlet and no fucking pads no elbow pads no fucking knee pads nothing here i am blue collar in your motherfucking grill that's just what taz was so that's the deal uh, good question uh what else we got here uh, the underscore john underscore gordon what's your opinion on someone being a multi-time champ 16 time etc when does the amount of these titles uh, these titles when get get excessive well interesting topic uh, interesting question i should say listen um to me if uh, i have no problem with someone being a 16 time or 14 time champ or whatever it does get to the point where it's a lot i agree with you but it also shows that the company believed in you to be top guy or girl you know a bunch of times <laughs> that's a big deal when you're a champion that's a big fucking deal um here's where it gets to be a problem if the company's forcing it on me as a viewer and someone's getting you know has uh, hypothetically i'm not you know four title runs or five title changes and runs in a year that's too much uh, and I'm not, that's a, probably an exaggeration what I'm saying, but I, I'm just for the topic. I think you see what I'm saying. I think that if you're talking about someone like a Ric Flair, it's, he's had, I don't even remember how many championships, but it's over the course of so many years, like uh, Kurt Angle. I think Kurt was like a 13-time world champion. Yeah, but it didn't, you know, he was a world champ spread out in his career. 
you know, so, but I think if it's a younger wrestler and they're like got eight championship runs and nine or 10, it's too much. If it's someone in their prime, I feel like you're forcing this person because it's a work. You're forcing them to be a mega star and it's, it's excessive to your, use your word. And, and I don't disagree. Um, so hopefully that handles your, your question, but, but again, very good question. Um, you know, definitely a good question. What else we got here? <sighs> Non-wrestling question, question, but uh, we'll grab it because it's a Mets question that we that, that I got put over here by Brian. Vantham won. Will Pete Alonzo hit 50 or more home runs? Okay. They used to call him Big Hawk. Big Hawk. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> anyway, uh, hashtag they used to call him Big Hawk. So Pete Alonzo, for those that don't know, he plays for my New York Mets. He's a pro baseball player. Uh, young guy, and he's a big, strong hitter, big home run hitter, and he's just he beat Daryl Strawberry's you know record with home runs and stuff like that. And and here's the thing, you know, we talk about this on the radio a lot, Moose and I, uh, about the amount of home runs in Major League Baseball right now. It's all about excessive with championships. Well, there's an excessive amount of home runs because Major League Baseball knows that their fucking product is boring and they're losing a lot of viewers for a lot of years and they can't fill stadiums. So because there's a lot of games and there's, you know, a lot of teams and there's a lot of content covering baseball and there's a lot of people distracted with other shit and they don't give a fuck. So they're trying to make it more exciting. So what are they doing? Their bats are changed up. These maple bats, the ball bounces off the bat, jumps off the bat, trampling the fact like crazy. And more importantly, the baseball itself um, is kind of got, it's a little work, not work, but it's, they took the laces, like for those of who ever held a real baseball, the laces, those red laces, they're raised normally. They lowered those laces. So pitchers can get less English on the ball when they throw the ball, like less curves. It's not as curvy you can't work the ball as much because your laces are low and not only that the lag effect okay there's less lag effect when you lower the laces what does that mean when the ball gets hit okay and it's the launch it's like there's less lag because the laces are lower and that and also these ballparks are smaller for as an overview that you know yankee stadium is a little park the fence is close so you guys are hitting home runs with the yankees a great team don't get me wrong i'm not a yankee fan but they're fucking hitting home runs like crazy well it's a short porch i mean you know so Anyway, there's your baseball chatter. What else we got here? Uh, la, 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 la. Rates since 87. Thoughts of a wrestler doing the FTW championship type gimmick. Would you give them your blessing? Well, I don't know. I mean, that's a kind of a tough question. If it was a WWE thing or something like that, uh, and they wanted to do it, and someone came to me and was going to give me credit, I don't need to be on TV. I just I need somebody from the company to say, hey, we would do this just out of respect for, you know, it was my gimmick, you know? I mean, that's all, because I, I don't get acknowledgement much for anything ever from WWE on TV. Like, people are hitting, doing, you know, they're doing suplexes, a lot of stuff that I came up with, and I get zero credit, and none, none of the announcers ever reference me, <clears throat> you know, um, any of my throws or spots, and we see very minimal uh, talent that, doesn't wrestle for WWE or maybe they're retired and you'll hear them get shouted out. I, I'm not losing sleep over the shit, but I'm just saying, like, if they're going to do me like they did, not just WWE, any company, do an FTW type gimmick and uh, not give a nod to me verbally or something, uh, no, nah, I would definitely have a problem with that. Yeah, for sure. I mean, you know, 
And I don't care if it's Paul Heyman or he, it wasn't his idea. I mean, it was ECW and stuff like that. But the FTW thing was my idea. So, um, you know, I'm proud of that. I mean, Paul gave me the platform, which I appreciate and love him for that. But and he pushed it, you know, which was a massive plus. But, you know, so, yeah, I'm not I'm not uh, I'm protective of that. And, and, and I have a right to be just like my throws or my style, even my commentary, just to be honest, like uh, I hear so much of my commentary, I hear you know, some of the WWE talent, uh, announced talent and Nigel McGuinness a lot, like really use a lot of my phrasing and stuff I've said. And we all joked a lot on Twitter and on the show here, not just Nigel, but other talent, like the hardest part of the rings become a joke. The apron, that's the hardest part of the ring. You know, Jesus. I mean, I gotta tell you, like I was the first to say that. And I used to say it not at nauseum. I'd say it when it was apropos, but when I was on SmackDown and even in TNA, but I did it. It wasn't a gimmick. It was just I wanted to be original and do something different. And a lot of my commentary, just like JR, just like Joey Styles, just like Michael Cole, we all grab our own thing, just like Lawler. Just, you know, you try to get your own thing. So you uh, not just one thing, a couple of things to make it you. So you have your own style, not to make it about you, but just to give you your own flavor. And, you know, spine first, uh, hardest part of the ring, stuff like this, joint manipulation, man- manipulation. You know, I you know, I got to tell you, I, I was trying to be innovative, sitting on airplanes, flying to towns, thinking of different things to say to make my commentary sound different than everybody else. You know, um, and I hear a lot of people, you know, some say, oh, you should look at it as a sign of respect. Uh, kind of. Not if you not if no one's acknowledging <laughs> You know, they're using your line. I mean, shit. Somebody comes out and says, through hellfire and brimstone. I mean, and it's not JR. It's like you're ripping off JR. That's not right. You know what I mean? Like, so, you know, I mean, I don't know. So the FTW championship thing, if somebody would do that type gimmick, they could do the gimmick. But if they're using the letters FTW, uh, you know, (laughs) that's going to be a little bit of an issue. But anyway, so hopefully that handled what you were asking me. What else we got here? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, here, this is what I uh, hooked a tease towards the gimmick's name is Fern and Break. Uh, Paramoid, Paramoid, what is your opinion in regards to the Twitter beef with Seth Rollins and Will Ospreay uh, slash the fans slash indie wrestling? <laughs> well, I think it's gone beyond Twitter beef. And, and to answer your question bluntly, I think it's great, okay, because you got you know, you got uh, Will Ospreay, who's a tremendous talent, works for New Japan, works, you know, all over the world. He's been working all over the world for a long time. He's a tremendous, tremendous worker. And a lot of mainstream fans don't know who Will is, but he's a, an awesome, awesome talent. I'm a big fan of this guy's work for, for quite some time. You know, uh, you know, British athlete, just a tremendous athlete, uh, Tokyo-based. And he's, uh, like I said, a big star in New Japan. He's been the IWGP junior champ a couple times, maybe four, three, something like that. I'm give me a break on one of them. I think it's three or four, one of those. I know he's 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 been pushed hard for them, and rightfully so. He's a hell of a worker, you know. Um, so Will standing up for himself, and and Rollins, Seth Rollins. I think I'm pretty sure if memory serves me, it all started right when when Rollins basically was saying that the wrestling is the best pro the WWE Rollins wrote this best pro wrestling on the planet period and that got a lot of f- talent people outside of WWE saying things you know and uh, Osprey was one of them uh, Rollins also wrote uh, doubling down best pro wrestling on the planet 
Uh, did you see that cruiserweight triple threat? Uh, that's just one night, one match against many. Find anywhere, anyone else alive who does what I do as well as I do and as often as I do, you can't. Hashtag stomping ground, hashtag universal champion, tag WWE. So uh, Osprey, okay, uh, uh, he uh, basically said, I'm alive at the tweet. You know, um, and and basically, uh, what's his name? I'm trying to remember. Oh, Tamatanga. Okay, one half of the Ring of Honor Tag Team Champs and IWGP Tag Team Champs. He tweeted, uh, best pro wrestling in uh, goddamn galaxy. Don't at me, you know, bitch. Basically, biatch, right? And, and so it's like, you know, and then it started getting heavy. The Usos, they also respond to the Rollins uh, saying, uh, double dab on me, Us. You know, basically, you know, they're, they're down with it. They're agreeing with it. So it's like overview topic here of this whole thing i you know i'm i think it's great okay um because and even chris jericho he put like a laughing emoji at seth rollins listen this is great for the business this is what the business in my opinion needs you know this happened years ago in the 90s man in the late 90s and mid to late 90s into early 2000s where you had wcw and wwe going at each other and then the little engine that could ECW were like, hey, fuck both of those big money monster uh, you know, companies. Look at us. We're fucking killing each other. So we were all kind of taking shots at each other here and there. And it was great. And we were doing it without social media. Now it's even better. This is great. I think for Seth Rollins to stand up for his locker room, that's a leader. Okay, that's a leader. He's standing up for the brand, for the company, for WWE, and he's he's speaking high on the in-ring work rate of his brothers and sisters in the WWE. That's fucking great. Okay, Seth Rollins, I tip my cap to you, my man. Okay, and I'll tell you what, you ain't, you, you know, ain't going to find many better than Seth Rollins, and homeboy paid motherfucking dues. And he came up through the pike and earned his right. That's why it's tough to talk shit at him for anybody because he came up. He wasn't handed shit. He didn't just walk into the performance center coming off of playing in the NFL and they made him a pro wrestler and he's a WWE star. No, 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 no. This dude paid dues. So, you know, that's why it's tough for anybody to go at him because he's earned it. Now, um, I do think that he wanted to spark something. I think that his competitive juices, he also went at Moxley because Dean Ambrose, who, you know, part member of the shield. And because of what he said on the podcast and saying, you know, taking shots at WWE. And I talked about that and I retracted my statements. Well, Seth Rollins kind of went at him a little bit. He said, I love Dean Ambrose. I'm paraphrasing. He goes, but you know, I think it's, it's tough to say that about someplace where you made a living for a long time and, and you did great and got pushed, you know, and then you took your ball and went home, you know? So, I don't know how much I don't I don't know if Rollins heard the whole podcast or not. I know when I listened to the podcast a second time, I backtracked a little bit on what I said about Moxley. So, you know, I, I don't think it was as bad as I initially thought, but whatever. I'm not friends with Moxley. I'm not friends with, with Rollins. Those two guys were friends for a long time. I'm sure they're still friends. Um, but you're getting some competitiveness amongst wrestling talent in New Japan, AEW, you know, WWE, Ring of Honor. This is great, guys. This is not good. This is great. And and side note, I, I can't speak on what fans are saying because I'm not just going to fucking sit here and bullshit like I'm reading all these goddamn tweets because I'm not. But, I mean, I, I know the tweets of the talent, but I'm not paying attention to the other stuff because this is too much. Here's the thing. Here's the fucking thing, okay? You have 
talent from WWE, New Japan, AEW, Ring of Honor, going at each other, defending their locker rooms, that is not a good thing. It's a great thing. It's what the business needs right now. And I'll also tell you, anybody going at Seth Rollins, no matter if they're wrestlers or fans, kind of taking shots at the WWE locker room. And because WWE locker room, and for a long time, up until right now, too, always has like this kind of rep that the work rate is not like it is on in Japan, the Japanese strong style or ring of honor or how great, Oh my God, the athleticism or what AEW is going to do and all this. I'm here to tell you that's like a load of bullshit. (laughs) So, um, I thought that also coming from ECW, WWE had that feel that it wasn't, didn't have that work rate, dude. And when I got there, I realized quick motherfuckers are bringing it. And the boss wants you to bring it. Vince McMahon wants you to bring it physically. And it was happening in 2000, 2001, 2002, and it's happening even more now. And you're seeing talents laying the physicality in the WWE, that 205 stuff, the stuff those cats do. If you're into high spots like that, you're going to get amazing stuff by some amazing workers. And the NXT work rate's great. Smack that. So I'm I'm, I'm not going to sit here and say what Seth Rollins said and say it's the best wrestling pro wrestling on the planet, period. I, I don't know what the best pro wrestling planet on a, is. A lot of P's there. I, I'm a, a fan of pro wrestling in general, no matter if it's uh, Lucha Libre, no matter if it's Japanese strong style, or no matter if it's uh, UK based, or no matter if it's it's WWE style, or no, you know American traditional. No matter what it is, I'm down. I'm, I, I respect what the men and women do. So I'm cool with all these cats going at each other. I think it's great. I think it's great, and it's what the business needs right now. So seriously, I, I'm down. I got no problem with it. I think it's great. Um, I really do. Is it a work to some degree? I don't know. Maybe. Maybe some of these guys are texting each other privately, and they're working it. I have no idea. Uh, it don't matter. It, it's fucking great. It really is. Um, you know what I mean? Manson8305, do you think the low-ticket sales in WWE make it difficult for talent to go out and want to put on a good show. Do you think they get discouraged and disappointed? Hashtag empty arena Jones. Okay, well, a little bit of a stretch saying empty arenas. But I get you. You're saying to answer your question succinctly, no. The answer is no. Talent is gonna. You get to that level for a reason. You get to any of these main brand brands in pro wrestling, no matter if it's WWE or ROH or Impact or you know in Japan or the UK, wherever you may be. You're there to work your ass off. You're getting paid to work. You're not getting paid to work harder if there's more people. You're trained and you know that. When you've earned the right to get to that high level or you're at that high level, you're working your tail off no matter what. And and that's just what it is. And do you get a little, not disappointed, I mean, that you're getting a percentage of the house. Then, then it affects you because you're not making money, but you're still going to work hard. Not the amount, not making money, not making as much money if you get a percentage of the gate. But... I know for a, a good chunk of time when I was commentating in WWE, uh, there was a lull, and uh, there was a lot of black top covering the seats before the show. It was a little bit, I don't want to say a morale killer, but it affected you a little bit. But once the lights come on and the cameras are on, you're a performer. You're working, and that's the bottom line right there, and that's what it's all about. you got to do your job, and 
And shit, I remember in ECW way back, there were times on house shows we were working fucking in front of 100 people and we were busting our asses. You know, it didn't matter. You know, it's just you're getting paid to work and people are paying for a ticket. No matter if there's five people or 5,000 or whatever, 25,000, they were all paying to see you unless they were fucking got comp tickets. But you get my point. The Chan Man comes in with a question. My friend, the Chan Man. Seth Rollins recently has been backing up WWE saying, They've been the best wrestling on the planet. He also said a few things about Moxie's negative negatively towards uh, WWE after all WWE has done for him. What are your thoughts on his leadership for Rollins? Thanks, Taz. You're the man. Thank you, Chan. Well, I covered all this obviously a few minutes ago, Chan. You get you heard it, but the thing is, uh, just to double up on it a little bit here, and I, I alluded to it lightly about being a leader, and then you just hit it yourself there, my friend, saying leadership because that's what it is. You know, that's what it is, and, and that's what WWE needs. You need a leader like that. You need someone that's going public. There's nothing fucking wrong with that. That's what you want. So any fans going at Rollins saying anything bullshit to him, well, what the fuck? Do you not you don't not expect them to have leadership in their locker room? Has he not earned the right to be a leader? His loyalty, how long he's been there, his success there, his work rate as a top guy? Fuck yeah, he's earned that. He's a leader, and he's doing a great job as a leader. Seriously. Shit, man. Um, Carly25. Hey, Taz. What's the best way for WWE to respond to all these low ratings slash low attendance numbers? Thanks. Ah, best way simple. Just keep on grinding. That's all you got to do. You got to keep working. Listen, the business I've learned a long time ago is a cycle. It's like a wheel. Sometimes the spokes on the wheel are on the bottom, and then as the wheel turns, the spokes are on the top. I learned that a lot of years ago from a veteran, and and I always remember that. And it's true, and I've witnessed it, and I've been involved in the industry for you know three decades. And it's a shoot; it really is, um, you know. So give it time; they'll 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 bounce back. It's no problem. It's all good. Mike underscore Dem Truck. Hey Taz, what's the new business ventures uh, you've been working on in Los Angeles in L.A.? Uh, we're Jones and to know hashtag we over hashtag Tasmaniac hashtag RTG. Yes. <laughs> Can't tell you that. Um, can I tell you? Yeah, I was took a little trip to LA for a couple of days last week. Did a little midweek trip, middle of the week Jones. Yes. Tuesday, Wednesday city, uh, went to the city of angels, did a little business. Wish I could share. Cannot do it, but hopefully I have some news soon. So to share with you all or we'll see um anyway i wish i could tell you i just cannot do it it just cannot happen and i'm sorry for that that's it i'm also sorry to tell you uh that uh this is what they call a wrap the show is over you have enough uh free lunch i hope you enjoyed it i hope it was an amazing experience for you the taz show taz maniac t-shirts taz t-shirts it's all new stuff there's a big july 4th sale coming up we'll push it out on the social media to code jones for pro wrestling tees for your taz merchandise make sure you buy some bitches support the cause here you actually ask you for nothing subscribe to the show spread the word of the show thank you for downloading i appreciate it i'm taz you're not goodbye thank you Never feels the same cause we've been doing